You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm John. Tonight, we're looking at two more episodes of Ultra Q. This time, it's Metamorphosis and Fury of the South Sea. Starting with episode 22, Metamorphosis. The plot synopsis goes something like this. A mountain expedition comes across some bones and footprints. Could it be the Yeti? The editor sends a couple of reporters. Yuriko begs to be assigned, but then is distracted by her friend Ayako, who has come to her for help. She's been lying about breaking up with her fiancé. She's got a feeling that he's the Yeti. Yuriko goes to Jun for advice, but he laughs her off. But eventually they all go see Professor Ichinatani. He listens to Ayako's tale. Her fiancé, Koji, was an entomologist. They were in the mountains hunting butterflies when he spied what he thought was an Amazonian morpho butterfly. He chased it, and they became separated. Ayako finds Koji face down on the floor of a cave, being molested by a giant butterfly. Koji claims he's been poisoned by the butterfly and runs off to find a drink of water. He ends up face down in a swamp. Ayako searches the mountains for days, when eventually she finds Koji still face down in a swamp and giant-sized. We're talking incredible, colossal, man-sized. He seems almost subhuman, and she runs away. Now, months later, with the reports of the Yeti in the same mountains, she's convinced it's Koji. June transports the gang to the mountains. Now bearded and sporting an impossibly-sized loincloth, Koji, or should I say the Yeti he has become, is causing problems for a village. It doesn't help that the police start shooting at him, causing him to trample the village in rage. Yuriko gets the story and has scooped the assigned reporters, but she omits the detail of the Yeti's identity. Ayako desperately wants help for Koji, and the girls convince Professor Ichinatani to deploy his thermal atomic X-ray device. They return to the mountains, and first Ayako tries talking to Koji. Failing that, Ichinatani shoots him, and he wanders off. The, the Yeti, not Ichinatami. Later, they find him. Back to normal. The end. I, um, I think that this episode should have had a different title, or it should have had a subtitle. And that title should have been How to Have a Giant Kaiju Without a Costume Budget. Or a very tiny costume budget. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow, they really phoned I, this one in. They Man. did. This was... Whew. Wow. The whole... The whole episode was just. I, we got we got uh, two hundred and fifty yen, and uh, that's enough for twenty five minutes. For yeah, that's enough for a <laughs> butterfly, uh, uh, a prop, and a, f- a couple uh, fake buildings we had left over from another uh, scene we didn't use them in, and we hadn't trampled yet. Yeah, right. And I mean, there's nothing to the story either. No, I, no. I, I watched this as one thin as a butterfly's wing. I watched this one, and when I came out the other end, I'm like, "Oh my, what are we gonna talk about?" So, <laughs> <laughs> I 
there is there is so little to this story it's just people see him girl comes in and explains why he's there they go up and see him each natami shoots him the end We're they all don't good. explain they don't explain the skeleton they found i mean it's not, I'm not him even sure what, yeah it's not him and i'm not even sure what it was it it's was, not a person it, i think it had a, a human skull or human like i I was going to say human-like is what I was thinking. It looked yeah. kind of ape-like. I don't but... find it worth my time to go back and check that. Okay, Sorry, but then... Sorry dear readers. But then they saw that, right? They saw the skeleton-like thing. Right, and they saw a And footprint. then they saw a footprint. Did you get the impression that the footprint was anything bigger than man-sized? Nope. There was no sense of scale whatsoever. Now I'm Now that I'm talking through this, I'm wondering if that skeleton was in the distance and it was giant ah uh, you're gonna make me watch that again you're evil i <laughs> i because they had they had serious scale problems with this episode the mm. uh the the yeti footprints didn't look gigantic right. um and you know if you think yeti you don't think three meter footprint you think 18 inch footprint yeah right yeah you, you yeah. think you think bigfoot not honking gigantic foot yeah not some 65 foot tall lumbering giant yeah and lumbering and, he did they got that that nicely did. done though they did he was he he seemed definitely kind of um problematic in his walking yes. uh, which you know might we might be able to apply that to the whole notion that if king if an ape really were as big as king kong his bones would collapse Oh, most definitely. And I think his brain would be too slow to control his body. I don't think his brain got any bigger. That's that's the oh, that's my. the one part. That explains why he <laughs> couldn't talk, didn't seem to recognize people. But but there's also uh there's the scene where he is in the cave mm-hmm. and obviously he's normal size there, or he's shrunk down to the size of a butterfly because there's that giant butterfly sexually molesting him. And we uh, don't know that. I mean, it's just his word against the butterfly. Mm, uh-huh uh-huh and then the butterfly poisoned him with its whatever i mean come on yeah pollen yeah. it spit up pollen over him what, uh-huh, what, uh, you know. uh-huh uh-huh yeah anyway he runs out of the cave mizu mizu i need water i need water mm-hmm. right he drops his lighter right at this point which is normal size and he runs over to a pool of water and that's the last we see of him ayako who is still in the cave apparently doesn't follow him out the same direction because the pool of water was literally in sight yep. of the cave mouth that he came out. She says she spent three more days in the mountains. Now that doesn't sound like she went back to the inn at night. That sounds like she wandered around the mountains for three days. Yeah. Looking for him. And then she finds him. Lying face down in the exact same pool. And I'm like, why is she terrified? I mean, yes, he's he's kind of uh, with his face, but he was poisoned and hurt and fell down. But she's suddenly terrified of him. And when he stands up, we realize he's Godzilla-sized. Yep. And it's like, well, if he's Godzilla-sized now... And he was lying face down in the pool. We saw him when he came out of the cave. Does that mean he was gigantic when he came out of the cave? Because the sense of scale is just all wrong here. It, yeah. it really fails miserably. 
<laughs> and and maybe that's because it's a man and not a a monster suit. Maybe we can't divorce human dimensions in our minds, but it just doesn't. Yeah, it I just doesn't they, work. I think they they should have tried harder to have some sort of a visual size, not landmark, but something to, mm-hmm. to note the size before and after. You know if. You know, say if there was uh, know, trees uh, or something there, or, or a boulder that looked like a monkey's head or something like that, and then when he's like giant size, it's the size of his palm as opposed to the size of a boulder when he was small, something like yeah, that. Yeah, or, or or the fact that they're in a forest filled with trees and they couldn't put him around miniature trees. Right. Well, yeah, they were in that little grotto area with the pool of the swamp or whatever it was, but yeah, it. But there was, yeah. I don't know. What's up with the water? So yeah, a lot of she volcanoes, finds it, you know, it just well, but, empties out. So when remember the there. remember the village. <laughs> I don't put this in my recap because it wasn't yeah. of any value. They're all like, oh, the water is all gone from the rice fields. Right, right. Where did the water go? Why why did the swamp disappear? Is it because I, the giant guy's drinking all the water? Um. Well, you know, he's going to replace that water soon. That's uh, right. Uh, my guess is that him tromping around with nutrients. Paws, yes, it's what plants crave. <laughs> uh, him tromping around probably caused some fissures to open and all the water drained out. That's my guess. Okay. Uh, now that is pretty good strength, giant size stretch. You want to ask me if he did appear to be disoriented, subhuman, right? I mean, he, he yeah. didn't talk. He, he didn't. Uh, uh, yeah. yeah, he grunted and whatnot. Then, A, where the heck did he get the loincloth? And B, what, um, why did he put it on? I, maybe he uh, he wove them together out of butterflies. I don't know. Or he found a circus tent, which would have made more sense. But Did the butterfly make him grow giant or did the water make him grow giant? I'm going to say it's a mix of the two. I mean, it was the Amazonian Morpho butterfly. Yeah, Blue Morpho. By the way, this is big, but not that big. And I, yeah. This is not the Amazon either. either. They are in Japan. Mm -hmm. The Amazonian Morpho butterfly's presence is never explained other than those shouldn't be here. Yeah, exactly. You know, so, all this would have been would have been uh, prevented if he was just a little bit faster with that net. You know, really, when he first saw I mean, it, he just would have snatched it out of the sky. You know, like a uh, uh, a good entomologist would. Yeah, uh, I I couldn't understand. It's like floating right in front of him, and he's looking at that. Is that a morpho? Oh, no, I couldn't be a what morpho. What should I do I mean, with that? But look at the stripes on that thing. He's holding the he or the girl are holding the net right there. They've been mm-hmm. walking around looking. You would think he would go. Let's just take a look. Oh no, that's not a morpho. Let it go. But instead, he just, and then it flutters off somewhere nearby, and yet somehow it manages to escape him, mm-hmm. and also gets so far that Ayako has to chase him through the forest. That is one fast butterfly. Yeah, well. Or one slow entomologist and his fiance. Yeah, I don't know. Six of one half does the other. <laughs> this This episode didn't have children in it, and... That's in the plus category. Yeah, I'm and thinking butterflies might substitute for children in some uh, situations. At least they're quiet. At least they're quiet. <laughs> I guess they are. So here's here's one that, I, I, you know, this story is just so poor. It, story. Oh, I had to put that in air quotes. Wow. That's, it's yes. so poor. Yes, I am blessing it with, with praise it does not necessarily deserve. 
Yuriko is hot on this story. Oh, let me go. The, the, the editor assigned two guys to go up into the mountains to find the Yeti. And Yuriko goes, no, let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Let me go. Right. And the phone rings. Here, it's for you. Oh, Ayako. Okay, I'll meet you in the park. And then oh, yeah. off she goes. She she utterly abandons her her personality, which has throughout the entire series been, I'll go on this assignment. I'll go on this assignment. I'll go on this assignment. Oh, okay. I'll meet you in the park fine and she drops that she goes to meet the woman and i'll be damned if it isn't the same story mm-hmm. that is it's the yeti again it's like really really people this is this is worse than lazy <laughs> you know that's just you, you couldn't have spent 35 seconds and 35 seconds and had yuriko her friend calls her up and she's her friend says i, I need your help it's about the Yeti and Yuriko looks shifty a little bit to the editor and the two reporters and go, okay, I'll be right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. You guys go. I'll, 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 you know, I mean, or anything just so that it was clear that she wasn't actually giving up on the story that she thought she was going to beat him from a different angle, which she did. Yeah. Right. Would have yeah. portrayed her as a better, uh, better reporter <laughs> in that respect. But anyway, the other, the, the, well, I think, I, I don't know. I think I've hit everything I want to do. My, my last two points are Yeti, which, uh, you know, to yeah, discuss, right. really? M- mountain giant. I think that's about as close as you're going to get with that one. Did, they actually said the word Yeti, though, didn't I know, they? a number of times, yeah. I mean, in, in, in English, or, uh, or whatever that is, Lapsa, or, uh, or whatever the actual native language that is. But, yeah, <laughs> I was like, okay, yeah, yeah fine. And the Amazonian Morpho Butterfly. That's the other comment I have here. It's just like, really? I'm thinking a writer read a magazine and had an idea and nobody stopped him. And <laughs> and again, the butterfly angle doesn't go anywhere. No, not really. Like, why are they here? What, what, what did they do to him? No, we don't care. Well, you know, as long as you can take it out with each Natami's thermal atomic X-ray gun. Right. It, uh, as I don't want to watch the episode again, when the thermal atomic X-ray beam was unveiled in the lab, what was it for? I have no idea. Okay. So I didn't miss anything. No, 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 no. I, 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 this is no joke. When I, uh, when I was watching the episode, I'm going to admit I was not entirely awake <laughs> and I was taking notes the whole time. Right. And then when I got to the end of the episode, I was like, okay, I'm, that's it. I'm closing my eyes. I'm going to sleep. And I fell asleep and I was, I don't know, I was out for a couple hours. It put me, it put me out for a couple hours. And then when I went back and I looked at my notes, I was like, did I fall asleep in the middle of this and miss part of this episode? Oh yeah. I, I, I mean, you, you didn't hear me hit miss any major plot points along the way in the scenario no, recap, no, you, right? You might have actually made up some. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I mean, added some details to, to yes. uh, yeah, it it, it it was like, wow, I'm I'm not going to go watch this again because I don't have time to watch it again. Mm-hmm. But I am actually slightly afraid that I missed 10 minutes of this episode. Nope, you got it all. Sleeping. Okay. You got it all. <laughs> You know, everything, the only thing you didn't mention is, is, uh, well, it's not even really worth mentioning other than when the uh, girlfriend is up in the tower, Ayoko is trying to, I guess, communicate with uh, Kyoji. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And uh, she's up in the tower. They shoot him with the ray. And then, like, he turns. And then the next scene, they're helping her into the car. It's like, oh, wow. That was a... Could, could you make that any more abrupt? Please. You know, just two seconds of her turning and going towards the hatch she crawled up through would have been perfect. But no. Mm-hmm. Wow. They were Ooh. pressed for time. They were trying to get all that plot in one, oh, yeah, in one episode. Yeah. And Boy, so all they, those... Uh, Shots of a big guy slowly plodding his huge, <laughs> massive feet across the buildings and and uh, causing embankments to blow out with his massive yeah. weight. And it's like, oh, come on. Yeah, maybe they just really didn't care about plot or story. They just wanted a big monster walking around. And they couldn't afford oh, a wait. suit. Yeah, I think that's pretty much a lot of episodes of this season. You you know, if we can't reuse it from somewhere else, we're going to be reusing your birthday suit. Exactly. (laughs) Except for the loincloth, tastefully uh, strapped around you like a giant tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would have been much better if that had had like advertisements or something like he ripped yeah. up somebody's tent and, and tied it around him or something. But instead, yeah, it's just such generic cloth. You kind of go, where would you find a piece of cloth that big? Yeah, exactly. If it weren't weren't a tent or something, it's just or a yep. balloon or very few yeah. things. I, I I will say this: um, we've had this kind of before. But Yuri talks to her friend. Her friend talks about. I just have a feeling that he's the Yeti. Oh, it's telepathy. Which okay, no, <laughs> but that could be a translation. That could be a translational issue. But she goes to June. Yeah. And June mm-hmm. laughs her off. Right. Doesn't believe her. He doesn't believe her. And she's like, well, I come to you, you so-called science fiction writer. And he's like, well, I'm <laughs> so-called. Because <laughs> like, he's, I guess, really written book. You know, at some point, if you published a science fiction book, they can't say so-called anymore. Well, so he's a little it. upset. <laughs> and Ipe's laughing at her. Yep. And she gets all like, and sticks her tongue out at him. Yep. And then June calls her yells back hey well hold on a minute and i i I honestly think she just basically told him to sod off except in the next scene they've gone to professor ichnatani yep and this time they've they're all there so apparently june and ipe decided to tag along despite the fact that they think this is stupid and i mean who's gonna drive apparently they've reached the they've reached the point where they've already told ichnatani the same thing that yuriko had told June thing that Yuriko yeah. had told June and Ipe all about being the Yeti. And then instead of that, she's like, could it be Morpho butterflies? <laughs> and Ichinatani is basically laughs at her too. Wow, Ayako, you really come up with some wild ones. <laughs> yeah. like, Telepathy and Morpho butterflies. Oh, <laughs> it's like, it's like, okay. What's next? Is... A giant? Huh? I know. Creatures from Mars? Giant right, octopus? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> it was yeah. it was a very odd scene. Uh, and then then and that and then and only then does she tell the tale about how they went into the forest and he was he saw the morpho butterflies and got raped by them and <laughs> transformed <laughs> yes. into, into a giant <laughs> forced to learn their ways. Forced to give give them satisfaction. 
<laughs> exactly. Oh, and in return, they made him giant size. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, yeah, on that I think note. I, on that note, I think the I think the th- to answer your question, I think the thermal atomic X-ray device is the companion device to the um, the X-channel light beam. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, right, yeah. The thing they shot out the Notice? top of X yeah. channel. Oh, oh yes, yes. Uh, mm. So this could be could be more of the same. <laughs> yeah. Um. Not a delta rays. You know, I, I, so my my summary is this is not a good episode, but it doesn't have children in it. Some yeah, of the so photography, some of the photography is still quite good, mm-hmm. but the the odd failures of scale at time really, in a way, put the special effects in this one in at the bottom of the pile. Yeah, so the series very jarring edits. Mm-hmm. Not a great episode. Not a great episode of and I you know, I really I I I couldn't really care any more or less than or less. anything at all. Uh whatever happened to Koji. There was like zero investment in that character. Even no. though there wasn't really you know, he's just, you know, a giant guy. They did but give still. him quite the hairy chest for a Japanese guy. Oh, that's the rest of the special effects budget right there. I I kind of think it was. I mean, in the months yeah. he grew a beard and chest hair. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Sean Connery level, practically. <laughs> yes. You know. So in in you only live twice. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, in that case, let's move on, mercifully, to episode twenty three, Fury of the South Sea, and it synopsizes something like this. If indeed synopsizes. Or capsize. Is a word. Or capsizes. Mm, very good. At night, a fishing vessel is at sea in the ocean of death. Aboard, the captain and his son, Yuzo. They are attacked by a giant octopus and the ship is sunk. Only Yuzo survives and he washes ashore on Compass Island, where he is found and nursed back to health by Anita, a native of the island. The editor gives Yuriko the plum job of going to the island to investigate the shipwreck and the legends of the ocean of death. He's sending June and Ipe and even paying bonuses. So, for some reason, Yuriko doesn't want to go. But she relents when they also send along Minami, a dynamic interpreter. On the island, one of the locals doesn't like Yuzo. Perhaps he is jealous of the attentions Anita is paying to him. The beating of Yuzo is stopped when June and the gang arrive, because that gives the islanders someone new to dislike. Things aren't going well when Sudar, the giant octopus god of the island, arrives and threatens Anita's younger brother. No one will try to save him, except for June. His act of heroism gets them dispensation to stay on the island. They find Yuzo, who is now obsessed with avenging his father's death by killing Sudar with his own hands. Sudar has killed many people on the island, including Anita's father and older brother. But he is also their god, and they worship him and do not bear him ill will. For that reason, Anita will not tell them where Sudar's nest is. Yuzo uses the tried and true Christian missionary argument with Anita. Your beliefs are all wrong. Like countless other native lambs throughout history, she agrees and gives them the info. 
June and Ipe boat to another island to call in an airstrike to kill the monster. In their absence, the villagers capture all the others and prepare to burn them to death. When the airstrike finally arrives, June and Ipe use the confusion to release Yuriko and the others. Unfortunately, the airstrike only angers the monster, which comes ashore and starts trashing the village and the villagers. Yuzo uses this opportunity to try to kill the massive beast with spears. When June and Ipe join in, along with Anita playing accompaniment on a shotgun, they manage to kill the beast. Having helped destroy their village, kill their god, and wipe out their dominant belief system, Yuzo is permitted to stay on the island to contaminate them further. Yuriko and the others return with a story for her newspaper. The end. <clears throat> well, uh, better than the last one? Yes. Okay, good. I, I, my first note here is in quotes, and it says four words. Your beliefs are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> that line took me completely and absolutely by surprise. I, I was... I was shocked at how blunt that was. And and believe me, I'm not a person who is at all averse to telling anybody who believes any religious doctrine, your beliefs are wrong. Okay. But, but, you know, you don't 1966 Japanese TV, that was a little bit, oh, wow, okay. Well, that was progressive. You don't, you don't really see it treated with that callous disregard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he was a sailor and, after all, so, you know. Good point. Good point. <laughs> and she was just the innocent native girl. Mm-hmm. So my biggest flaw with this episode, if flaw is the right word, and if biggest has any meaning in this context, is that he and Anita could not talk because they did not speak the same language. Right. Yep. And we were shown that throughout the entire episode that they could not communicate except from the me, Charzan, you, Jane level of of communication and yet when he asks the translator to, to ask her where the nest is she says no i won't tell you it's it's he's our god we worship him mm -hmm. and then he goes in your beliefs are wrong and he has a very long conversation with her one-sided yeah but without benefit of the translator at all and after he's done with that she turns around walks back to the translator and says okay i'll tell you where it is <laughs> well you as know, long as you promise me you kill it outright completely yeah and and stop him from making those long soliloquies yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> once again i'm very impressed with uh june's uh connections that he can just boat over to another island get on the phone and call in an airstrike from the un oh yeah i think by now he's got uh, he's got quite a few connections yeah it must be all that science fiction writing yep Sorry, it's that's so-called science fiction exactly. writing. Yeah. Interesting that it was the UN and not the Japanese uh, self-defense force because it was obviously... It is. Well, well it's, it's not in Japan. Right, exactly. Not Japanese waters, so yeah. uh, it's over over in the ocean of death. Exactly. Uh, somewhere in Micronesia. Only... So... <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and of course it doesn't work. I, I do like the fact that they use depth charge bombs. Mm-hmm. Yep. But uh, but it did not work. And uh, all right, before I get to the octopus itself, let's uh, let's ask this question. Sure. Why didn't Yuriko want to go? This is the first time in 23 episodes Yuriko isn't bouncing up and down. Editor, let me go. Editor, let me go. Here he's like, I'm going to give you this assignment. I'm going to send them. I'm paying them bonuses. You're going to go. 
And she's like, I don't want to go. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't like seafood. Maybe she doesn't like assignments where she's told she's supposed to do it. She only that could wants be the one too. she begs for. Right. I I don't know. And I'm like, um, he's your boss. You're a reporter. You go where he... I I can understand how if you go to him and like, boss, I'm on this. Let me give me the story. And he goes, okay, you know, run with it. I got, I trust you. You got an angle, you go with it. That's, that's hustle. Angle, you go with it. That's, that's hustle. But go do it. Stop whining about it. Right. And I, and, and then, you know, they, they do that whole bit with the translator, Minami, I believe. And mm-hmm. he's like, uh, the... <laughs> yeah, he's got the round glasses, and, the big yeah. teeth, and the uh, and yeah, and he he dresses in uh, kind of stereotypical comedy pith helmet and yeah, yeah, pith, uh, yeah jungle safari outfit type stuff. <laughs> well, they all do up to a point when they get to the island. Uh, not they? like him; he's got the not like the him. No, he's, flashers he's on the socks the... and everything else. He's all set. It's got 16 things hanging out around his neck. Uh, yeah. And the editor is like, uh, you know, well, you'll change your mind. We're going to be sending along a translator. Well, then he why would that it, change? He? Yeah. Why would that change her mind? And and of course, we don't see her change her mind either. It's just mm-hmm. next shot. They're flying. June, the pilot, and Ipe, the pilot, are flying them out to the island. They're flying on their way to the island. And then cut to... Uh, Yuzo and Anita having a little getting uh, Yuzo getting beaten up and then the drums sound what's going on and everybody rushes to the shore and there is June Ipe and Yuriko arriving via boat right <laughs> which they didn't bother to tie up so I'm kind of wondering why it stayed there just started drifting away as they dif- disembarked <laughs> uh, I, it, it's like Oops. so or they could have taken a helicopter I have a feeling that wherever Compass Island is, is too far away from the mainland or another large island that they couldn't have gotten there in the helicopter. They wouldn't have enough fuel to return. But does that level of realism really need to be incorporated (laughs) into this story? (laughs) Yeah, you know, that should be turned down to about a two. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, I'm thinking you could have just flown a seaplane in and landed it near, or, you know, anything. No extra prop. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So... (laughs) That was. I also thought that the um, the natives were a particularly non-native looking group of people. They they looked basically like um, Japanese people that have had mud rubbed on them. Yeah, they just called up Tokyo Central Casting and say, "Hey, we need natives from an island in the South Pacific or Pacific and uh, very specific yeah, place in the South yeah, exactly. Pacific." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What you got? You know, and we're on a budget here, so yeah. Oh, you're from Ultra Q? Okay, we got some people for you here. Yeah, they're just yeah. Well, a lot of the a lot of the Godzilla films and whatnot when they go to an like Mothra's Island, I mean, these look like pretty ordinary Japanese people who've been blacked up. Yeah. These people didn't even look like ordinary Japanese people who've been blacked up. These look like ordinary Japanese people who had been rubbed with <laughs> dirt. Yeah. You know, there's just like yeah. this plotchy dirt. Everybody except Anita, who was beautifully clean. Of course. And, yes. Oh, yes. She was she was primo compared to all the rest of them on that island. Mm-hmm. And, and did not look at all like, <laughs> not even like her brother. 
her little brother. He he also looked like he'd been kind of dirtied up for this. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So the giant octopus. Yes. Sudar. Sudar. The giant octopus first appeared in 1962's King Kong versus mm-hmm. Godzilla. Now, yeah. I don't know if you know anything about the, the legends of that, but King Kong versus Godzilla, they actually used real octopus. They had four of them. And they made them perform by hitting them with jets of air. All right. So, uh, and when the film was over, three of them were released into the wild. One of them was A.G. Subaraya's dinner. Oh, um, <laughs> nice. But they also they also had a rubber prop mm-hmm. that they made, and that is, I guess, the same one that's used here. Yeah, the notes I found say that, and the uh, the the tentacle prop was War also of used the in ones, yeah. right? Yeah, in '66. But there was actually a shot in this episode. I think just one, maybe two. Where it was obviously a real octopus. Oh yeah, yeah, a couple of them. Yeah, and and I, but not many. Wondering, yeah. I couldn't find anything for it, but I'm wondering if they were stolen shots from Godzilla versus King Kong. Well, yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, if you've got the footage, sure. They were fairly short, but they were they were close up of the I don't know what the heck you call that gill like opening on an octopus that kind of. It's not the eye, but it nictates, and it 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 was obviously not the rubber prop when you were seeing yeah, those shots. Yeah, it moved. The rest it, it moved was. too uh, smooth. Yeah, too smoothly for. It. So it was not a. Uh, it wasn't the worst, but a big rubber prop never works as well. I hate to say this as a man in a big rubber suit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because obviously there's strings, and obviously there's you know fake long arms and. Mm-hmm. It was underwhelming. It was yep. another underwhelming uh, entry in the story. It, and yeah, the bombs don't stop it, but Yuzo Spear, along with Ipe Jun, none of the islanders who knew how to throw spears could get this job done. Exactly. They all seemed to miss horribly, and it just didn't work very well for them. And, uh. Yeah, they, I would. I could totally understand this. Please note, I'm saying this tongue in cheek. I'm saying this right now. If our heroes had been white, because that is the narrative, you know, the white <laughs> man goes to the island and saves the natives where these stupid savages can't can't kill it with their own weapons. But give it to the white guy. He'll solve the problem. Exactly. It, it's, it is kind of interesting to watch the Japanese fulfilling the role of the great mighty white guy in Western films in yep. their film, but it it's exactly the same thing. It's just racism. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not like the white guys had the, the market cornered on that one. No, uh, we've tried. Doggone is white guys tried, but no, no, haven't. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was more comical than it was disturbing. And it should have been disturbing when I was watching it because yeah. I was laughing at the fact that they were, they were stealing our thunder, <laughs> racist colonialists. <laughs> well, you know, I think there's a, there's plenty of that to go around, and they're yeah. welcome to it. <laughs> it's a reminder that it is a, a universal human foible. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And I'm sure those islanders, if they had another island a long way, probably feel the same way about them. Probably. <laughs> exactly. And then they let him stay. Really? Well, you know, would, they... Would they, he even really want to stay? They, he helped kill their god. So, yeah, of course, you know, there's a warm place in their heart for him. <laughs> exactly. And and he's stolen their one hot, eligible girl. Exactly. And I don't. I don't think there was much... Uh, much future in this uh little society they had there no didn't really feel like there was much going on there come to think of it it reminds me of the smurfs hmm (laughs) i didn't actually you're right i didn't actually see any other women there yeah again he just like yes okay anita is pretty Mm -hmm. I'm, i'm not i'm not denying that when you know we see her on the beach running along you're going oh yeah okay I know where this is going. She's going to find him, nurse him back to health. They're going to fall in love. The fact that they can't talk to each other. Minami's not staying by, behind to do the translating. So he's going to have to learn their language. Yeah, and or, or she'll learn Japanese. Whoever's smarter will uh, will figure it out. She'll probably have to learn Japanese. I think um, so. Yes. <laughs> although, on the other hand, she's not exactly very smart if she is literally going to take some guy she found on the beach. Well, and you know, it's better than anybody else in. in the village. So I guess the devil you don't know is better than the devil you do. Apparently. In this case. And this guy does know how to kill gods. Or at least he knows people who can. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I did think it was interesting that, you know, yeah, all right, let's ignore the fact that the that the natives who use spears couldn't get them to stick at all. Yeah. That was just pathetic. Um, but you see that a lot and not just that, the fact when they would show them being thrown, you know, some of them are going at 45 degrees off. Some of them were backwards. Yeah. Just hit just like, wow, that was, that's just cruddy cinematography there. Yeah. Um, they could have at least tried to make it look like the natives were, were competent at their, at their job. And yeah, then our, you know, our hero guy who's probably never thrown a spear in his life. And how many spears have you thrown? Um, two or three. Yeah. You know, small few, ones are made for fun. Yeah. When I lived in the country, we used to take yucca, yucca plants. Uh, not yucca plants, but it's something like a yucca uh, century plant or something. And have these big stocks. And we convert them to spears. And they, you know, they flew just about exactly like the ones that they showed <laughs> going backwards in 45 degrees off. But... Yeah. But that notwithstanding, um, yeah. you know, I quickly this... put more research into making addle addles. I believe that's how you exactly at lapel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that those works work much, much better. better when you're you know using a stick to throw a stick. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, then then you can get some serious damage going. But mm-hmm. the, <laughs> you know these guys, he's throwing it. I've got to kill it with my own hands anyway. <laughs> or he has to avenge his father. Avenge his father. <laughs> And it's not working. So June and Ipe come along because June and June is the hero of the show. So he's right. got to be in on the kill. Of course. I, and then, you know, the only sensible one of the bunch is the girl who grabs the gun. <laughs> yeah. Sadly, and, it's a and, shotgun. But yeah, we're not going to falter for that. Yeah, one. we're not going to falter for that. They had other guns there on that island. I saw at least two people carrying shotguns. Oh, okay. When they're in the scene. I know the chief had the shotgun there for a while, but there was another one in the background. It's like the chief tried throwing spears at it. Why didn't he try shooting it with a shotgun? Like, come on. 
anyway but they all got in on the kill right right i mean that i think that was that's the interesting part is that they basically all did the they did the kill so that we didn't have to balance you know who gets in the i think i think our our think yuzo got the final spear yeah maybe because yeah, i mean it it walked off and it almost got back to the ocean and suddenly went <laughs> mm-hmm. deflated it and it went, that was the end of it yep yeah yeah <laughs> That was about it. I don't yeah. have anything else in this episode. I mean, it, it these two have been uh, sadly not very substantive. <laughs> you know, substantive. I have a feeling the next episode is just going to knock it out of the park. You you think so? What is? I, I'm hoping it's uh, the, the next Idol episode. of Golga. Oh yes, the Idol of Golga, and then we'll also be looking at the, the Devil one- Child. Oh, that's gonna have a child in it yeah well hopefully he can't speak and he's not talking to a turtle yes hopefully hopefully it's just you know a dead child somewhere just you know yes devilishly dead child, dead child. all right quiet um <sighs> quiet please be quiet mute mute would be perhaps okay now you know that Based would probably to... make it worse because it has to spend twice as much time staring at the little tyke doing whatever it's doing yeah that's true all right john mm-hmm. thank you for joining me you're welcome i can't really say it's been a pleasure but i'm i'm glad i got to watch it the conversations are always fun so yes yes <laughs> and listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of Fusion Patrol, we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash fusion patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at fusionpatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at soundcloud.com slash fusion patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.